Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Foul Balls podcast for Tuesday, December 12th. I'm joined with my co-host, Rob. Hey, Rob, how's it going? I'm doing awesome, Nick. How are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. It's a great Tuesday and had a great weekend. How was your weekend? Horrible. Absolute disaster across the board. But you know what? I'm having fun and I'm learning a lot, so I think that's what's really important at the end of the day. Yeah, it couldn't have been as bad as that NBA slate last night, so that was that was just a shit show. Anyways, um, as always, we're going to break down the EPL slate, and this week we have you know, a nice um, seven-game juicy Wednesday EPL slate with you know featuring a couple of the top-notch teams, but something to note on is that a lot of these teams will be going through some you know weird rotations due to the volume of games for this week. Um, all teams will be playing Saturday and Sunday, so <clears throat> it's very likely that we'll see managers you know shift up some rotations due to some injuries, resting and uh, you know red cards or yellow cards or whatnot. Anyways, let's start as we always do. We're going to start with the goalies, and what are your takes at goalie this week or for Wednesday, Rob? Sounds good, yeah. We'll start with Loris, and uh, quite simply, he's just too expensive. After Swansea have started scoring over the past few games, uh, Brighton have now taken over the new uh, the new record as the worst attack in the EPL. Uh, Brighton aren't shooting the ball. They aren't getting goals. Outside of Glenn Murray getting a penalty shot, they really don't have very many options. Uh, so I'm just not looking at Loris uh, because the CS bonus isn't even that set. Spurs haven't been that great at keeping uh, goals out of the net the last few games. So uh, I'll be looking at uh, Lloris as a fade this week uh, just because of his uh, high price tag. Uh, the same can be said for Mingdele. Uh There's just not going to be enough saves for Liverpool this week to really pay off for him at that salary. And that's that's kind of the general theme for most of Liverpool backs here. So I'll be passing on the Liverpool backs entirely. Uh, I think David DeGay is an incredible option. He's just playing at this superb, superb form right now. And anytime you can get Man United after a loss, when in reality against City, you, you have to have some sort of reasonable expectation. And I think Man United still, despite losing 2-1, held themselves really well. Uh, so I'll be going right back to DeGay here. And I'm hoping that a lot of people will be shying away from him uh, after his really poor result against Man City. And anytime you can get him at a little bit less ownership, that's something I'll be using. Uh, Edison is going to be one of my, uh, probably my main uh, expensive keeper of the week. Uh, I really like Roman City are against Swansea. Uh, Swansea are kind of in this place right now where they're just starting to shoot the ball enough to make Ederson uh, valuable uh, if he gets the CS bonus and save. And Swansea, concerned they still aren't scoring at any kind of a rate. And Man City have the best defensive record in the league right now. Uh, I just like uh, Ederson as a really good option for uh, not the most expensive salary. Uh, so I really like that idea there. Uh, anytime you get Ederson as not the most expensive keeper, it's something to consider. Uh, so yeah, I'm all into that this weekend against Swansea, or this week, excuse me, against Swansea. Uh, I'm pretty concerned over West Ham's recent form, so I'll be fading check. Uh, I'm I'm going to hope that he turns out to be an ownership trap and a lot of people jump on a check expecting another Arsenal performance. But away from home, Arsenal just aren't the same team as they are at home. And that starts with their back line and check. Uh, and on top of that, Arsenal don't really have very many good stacking options anymore. So there isn't really a whole lot to look for check in either cash or GPP this week. Uh, Fraser Forrester is going to be one of my top GPP plays of the week. A lot of this has to do with uh, Leicester not being very good right now. They're struggling up front and Forrester has incredible wing back stack options for GPP so he's someone that I'm going to be relying on I'm just not sold on Leicester at the moment 
they did score three against Newcastle, but that's kind of a consistent theme for most teams. Like, if you don't score three, you should be concerned. So I think Leicester are performing a little bit under right now. And uh, with both Damari Gray not being uh, a, a really great striker and Jamie Vardy playing poorly, I think uh, Southampton and Forrester in general are great players to play. Uh, Newcastle just fade them. They're still going to let in three goals. <laughs> it doesn't matter who they play every week. Uh, Pickford is uh, way too unreliable. Uh Newcastle has a really decent attack at the moment. Uh, they're scoring against teams like Man United, and uh, when that's happening, they're not. Re- it's not like they just scored once on the break too, and that was it all game. Uh, they they're in every single game here, despite their poor record. Uh, a lot of that has to do with Newcastle's poor goalkeeping. Uh, so uh, I'm still going to be passing on Pickford, uh, despite Everton uh, having a, a fairly good defensive record at the moment. Uh, but uh, moving on from that, Smichael is just way too unreliable. I think last late proved. A against Newcastle that uh, Michael's not going to keep anyone out. Uh, it's just not going to happen on a, any kind of a reliable basis, so I'll be fading him this week. Uh, Adrian has been really good for West Ham. West Ham have completely turned it around somehow uh, over the last few games, uh, and it starts with Adrian, who uh, in for Joe Hart has put in excellent DFS results and while I may not be looking for him especially in cash he makes an interesting GPP play this week simply because I think a lot of people are going to be incorrectly on Arsenal and uh, especially the uh, the West Ham attack will go com- or excuse me defense will go completely unknown while Adrian doesn't have a lot of uh, wing back stacking options he still is really interesting for a contrarian play where a lot of people will be on Arsenal um, I think uh, Asmir Begovic is incredible value this week against Man United who are without Paul Pogba and without Paul Pogba they've yet to score more than three goals or yet to score more than two goals uh, this season so uh, I'm looking at uh, Begovic as some really interesting value against Man United Pavansi is going to be my top keeper across the board this week I know that sounds crazy immediately to hear uh, when uh, it's up against Man City but Man City have this broken record thing going on right now where all they can do is win by uh, a 2-1 scoreline and whenever you have the absolute cheapest keeper of the week uh, I shouldn't say the ab- absolutes for uh, Ben Foster is, but when you have uh, one of the cheapest keepers of the week, that's going to keep the other team under two goals and still have the chance to make at least five saves. That's someone I'm all into. Fabanski's in incredible form at the moment. Swansea shouldn't really have a lot of ways to stop the ball from getting on the net, but at the same time, Man City haven't been scoring at a kind of a rate that would scare me away from any keeper, let alone a keeper that's one of the cheapest of the week. So uh, I'm interested in Fabanski in either format as a value play this week. Uh, Matt Ryan's going to get blown out so you can avoid him and uh, Ben Foster is way in over his head this week so uh, those two um, Matt Ryan and Ben Foster are two fades at the bottom where you can totally jump on Begovic and Fabanski for your value but uh, that is all the keepers for the week yeah I'm in mostly agreement with you Um, usually I don't like to pay you know up for goalkeeper but tomorrow it seems very inevitable that you know it makes the most sense to pay over 5000 for your keeper because a lot of these guys should see you know a high volume of saves while being in a good spot to rack up a clean sheet and um a cs bonus so yeah a guy like adrian i find really interesting arsenal is a team that will unload a high volume of shots they always do and adrian you know he's been playing Pretty well recently. I believe they had like a managerial change a couple of weeks ago, which is. Yeah, they did. That's correct. You know, could spur, is, you know, usually spurs the players to, you know, 
to a new level of performance. And look, my thing is that when you look at the expenses, it comes up between Loris, Magnolet, Degay, or Ederson. Magnolet and Loris are going to be lucky to see a quarter of the shots that Degay and Ederson will see. So at the end of the day, I'm just going to roll with Degay and Ederson because they're better keepers anyway. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm in agreement too. West Ham are really interesting. Yeah, De Gea is definitely my favorite keeper. He's, yeah, he's just he's by far the best keeper in the Prem. I think to rack up, you know, thirty-one points as a goalie is pretty crazy. Even though it was against Arsenal, but yeah, without a CS bonus too, mind you. Yeah, that's just a crazy score. But I'm also in agreement with Fraser Forster. He's definitely an interesting play. Leicester is a team that will you know get some shots on net, but Southampton do have one of the better back lines with Van Dyke and two, you know. Very good wing backs, like you mentioned. So, at home against Leicester seems like a, a very <coughs> favorable matchup. Anyways, let's move to defense. Defense, as always, we have the extremely high Tottenham guys up top. What are your plans on doing with these expensive Tottenham wing backs? Yeah, I'm going to be using Spurs and Cash. Um, I have no problem with that. Their floor is just undeniable. It depends on who they start, obviously. It could, it, it's up in the air. You can't really pick a name at this point. Uh, Trippier is probably just too expensive. Uh, it seems that every every game where they have the two expensive uh, wingbacks, the cheaper of the two ends up not only playing better, but like completely blowing the other one out of the water, like not even a competition. So I'll be rolling with, with whichever of the two is cheaper. Uh, Liverpool on the other hand, are just too expensive across the board. Uh, Moreno looks like he's going to be out, uh, which makes things even worse. Uh, Robertson and Trent Ar- Alexander-Arnold are good guys, but they're just not DFS plays from that price range. That kind of price range, you're looking for guys that are going to cross the ball more than five or six times, and those two will be lucky to combine that. So it just isn't something I'm looking at. I think Man United are great cash options, especially whenever you pair them with the gay. I'm not too sold on them in GPP because they don't provide Provide the same kind of ceiling that I'm looking for with a few other guys, uh, but uh, I still think Man United are really solid options all around. Uh, speaking of which, Kyle Walker is going to be one of my better uh, plays from defenders uh, this slate. Uh, I think he's going to go really unowned. He's pretty cheap, and a lot of people aren't really looking at Man City's defense. Uh, they usually look at the forwards. Uh, I think uh, whenever a CS bonus is near guaranteed like this, they have against Swansea. The thing is, uh, I, we talk, we touched about it last uh, podcast there. Uh, Ederson needs saves to pad the CS bonus. Kyle Walker doesn't need anything to go. The CS bonus is his ceiling. So uh, anytime you can get a, a defender that's almost near guaranteed a, a CS bonus and he's not one of the elite salaries, you should probably jump all over that in either format and try and chase that a little bit. The Southampton wingbacks are incredible. Bertrand is one of the top plays all around this slate. Uh, he's going to be one of my cash locks. If Suarez gets in, he'll be interesting. He's coming off a non-contact serious injury here, so I'm not too sold on the concept of him playing up to his full standard. But if uh, Jeremy Pede happens to get the start, he's another guy I'll be looking at. And if... Uh, the opportunity rises. The first thing I'm going to be doing is pairing Fraser Forrester with those two in GPP and trying to chase an all-around CS bonus. The thing is with these two is their floor is incredible. Uh, so anytime you can get a CS bonus on top of a really great floors like that in a GPP setting, that's something I'm going to be jumping all over and really hoping to cash with and really low ownership. A uh, Colasanic for Arsenal is probably just too cheap. Uh, I think Bellerin has completely fallen off the DFS face of the world, uh, but Colasanic is still very 
very relevant. And at that salary range, it's really hard to ignore him on DraftKings. Uh, Charlie Daniels is someone you're just going to have to fade. I'm only bringing this up because uh, he's a name that a lot of people will be very familiar with if they followed our podcast or the article. And uh, Charlie <clears> Daniels <throat> is just someone you're going to have to avoid, unfortunately, until until Bournemouth figures out their minutes. Uh, Daniels won't be getting any set pieces or making more than a few crosses a game. So he's just someone you're going to have to look past. And the last thing I really want to talk about here uh, for the defenders is the Newcastle-Everton game. And I feel that both these two are, these two teams uh, defensively are a massive trap. Uh, I think their salaries are appealing and will draw some people in. Uh, avoid both sides of the, the, the defense here. Neither keeper really has a stacking option, and neither keeper has really a solid win option. If I was to go with one, it would probably be Pickford and uh, John Joe uh, Kenny. Uh, the right back for Everton. But uh, other than that, there's really nothing to look for there between that game. Uh, but in terms of defense, I'm going to be keeping my prices high this week. I'll be looking a lot at the Southampton guys, uh, the uh, Kyle Walkers, the Man Uniteds, and uh, see if I can try and get some interesting stacks. Because in a lot of ways here, I'm going to be spending down with Begovic and Fabanski. And whenever you do that, there isn't going to be a correlation stack you can use in GPP. So in a lot of uh, games this, uh, this slate, I'll be looking at uh, Southampton. Captain Man City and Man United as my main defender plays. <clears throat> why? Why do you like Kyle Walker so much? It seems that he's just not really involved in the offense. His his peripherals are sometimes there, but I feel like I don't know. He's he very rare. It, with Man City, the attack usually you know relies firmly on the front. You know, six five yeah, guys. The big reasons I like Kyle Walker is quite simply the CS bonus. Uh, most weeks I'll ignore him whenever there's no real CS bonus to be had. But I think this week they're near guaranteed a CS bonus. And like I just touched on there, Ederson needs saves to make that CS bonus. Kyle Walker doesn't need to make saves. Everything else will just kind of happen for him. So if I'm expecting him to finish somewhere between 7 and 9 as a floor before a CS bonus... All he needs a little bit of positive variance, and he'll instantly be in the uh, double digits. Uh, the the big thing for me is that it's Man City on the cheap. Anytime you can get Man City players cheap, you, you kind of just have to roll with that because they are the best. Def- they, they're the best defense in the league right now, despite uh, not having an amazing CS bonus record on the go. But uh, that's really why I like Kyle Walker is. I think his ceiling's in place. There's a ceiling there just waiting. You don't even have to work for it. It's just going to happen, that ceiling. So anytime that happens, uh, you can just uh, roll with him and hope for a little bit of positive variance. And uh, I think last week a lot of people are going to be really scared off from that negative score. Uh, so I'm totally okay with that. I think his ownership will be next to nothing. And uh, he, he has the potential to get an assist here. Swansea aren't very good, period. So uh, I just think uh, Kyle Walker has a lot to go, a lot of good things going for him this late, uh, where a lot of defenders don't really have much going for them. Gotcha. I find it crazy that Nicholas Ozamendi is priced at 4400 just because he scored goals in back-to-back games. Yeah. Never... yeah he, he's someone that takes a ton of fouls, which is a huge concern with me in Man City. Uh, which I'll get to a little bit later. Uh, with no company, uh, Man City are going to take some fouls at the back, which will open up some doors for Swansea. But yeah, anyways, we can continue. <clears throat> cool. Um, midfield. <clears throat> when it comes to midfield with me, I just like to focus, you know, pick a couple teams, stack their midfield forwards, because as I, you know, as we know, goals come in 
chunks when you target teams and they usually come from you know a small source of players of course it's soccer and there's a bunch of variants and there's you know fluky plays that happen all the time just like in hockey and as we learned in NBA too but for the most part it's fairly you pick a couple teams and you can you know hone in on where the production should come from so with that being said yeah, I know you really like Man City, so I'll let you take it away with why you like Man City so much. Yeah, well, uh, first, uh, I think it's important to touch on uh, Sal and Coutinho. Uh, Brom don't allow a lot of shots from the strikers, which is Firmino. Uh, so for, we'll touch on him a little bit later. But the big issue here for me is that Coutinho is probably going to be lining up out of the midfield, the center midfield. I shouldn't say it's an issue. It's awesome. It's the best possible thing that could happen. Brahm's really good at shutting down opposition forwards. They're really bad at shutting down opposition midfielders. So I'm going to look at Coutinho here as one of the best plays of the slate and a cash lock for me. Uh, Sal is just going to be pure G. PP for me, uh, but that's how I'll be approaching the two. Coutinho is going to be amazing again this week, as per usual. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, yeah, he's the absolute lock for me this late. Now I expect Pep Guardiola to do some pretty weird squad rotations, and it wouldn't surprise me if Kevin De Bruyne doesn't make the starting eleven. Uh, but uh, in terms of if he does start, anytime you can get Kevin De Bruyne under 10k, it's an absolute steal, and is something that's going to be have to locked in almost blindly, especially in cash. Uh, Swansea aren't going to stop. Man City, let alone stop Kevin De Bruyne. So it's just a, a case here of uh, Kevin De Bruyne uh, building an incredible floor. Uh, again, I expect Fabanski to make some saves, but I don't expect Swansea to stop uh, Man City from getting shots on net. So uh, I'll be looking to play as much Kevin De Bruyne as I possibly can this late. Uh, Christian Eriksen is just too expensive, plain and simple. He managed one goal, uh, one point out of uh, the five goals that uh, Spurs scored last week. So I'm just not interested until he shows some sort of consistent form worthy of uh, of uh, a roughly 10k salary. I'll start considering Erickson again. Uh, Alexis Sanchez is probably a, a massive trap this week. Uh, I'm going to be fading him. The thing I'm looking at here is his ownership is going to be sky high, and uh, West Ham have dramatically improved their uh, defensive record as of late. Uh, the only real thing for me here is that I'm not saying Sanchez is going to do bad. I'm not saying that uh, Arsenal are going to do bad. I'm just saying that Sanchez probably isn't worth the salary that you're seeing for him on DK this week, and uh, passing him at that salary isn't the worst idea. He's probably still going to do awesome. He's probably still a decent cash play, uh, but I just like West Ham uh, to really surprise a lot of people this late um yeah the we already talked about the man city squad rotation i don't know what they're going to do uh sane sterling could one of them could come out for bernardo silva i'll talk about their forwards in a bit but uh i'll probably be fading the man city midfield outside of kevin de bruyne um, Mesut Ozil is one of my top plays this week. Uh, he's just way too cheap, way, way too cheap. And uh, he's one of two players this slate that have like an astounding record against the opposition they're going up against. Ozil has scored, I think, uh, four straight goals against West Ham and has an assist in three of the four games too. So he's, he's almost got a floor here of multiple points against West Ham and that's uh, over many years. So I'm looking here at Ozil as the pivot option from Sanchez in either format, but I'll be looking to get some Ozil into some GPPs this week uh, just because of his excellent record against West Ham. Uh, I think uh, Ryan Mares is an excellent GPP play this week and conversely uh, Albrighton is the cash play again this week. Uh, I 
I am not sold on Newcastle keeping the ball out of the net, obviously, and I'm not sold on Vardy scoring them and uh, Demari Gray being a world-class talent. Mares is a world-class talent. So if you're looking for that near-guaranteed option for one of the three goals that Leicester should, uh, excuse me, uh, Southampton, they're playing Southampton. I was confused and thinking they're still at Newcastle again. Um, I think Mares is a great play because he's going to be lining up against uh, the weaker of the Southampton side, and he should have lots of opportunity to dribble in here and get some shots on Fraser Forrester. That wouldn't be overly challenging, but in the case where you're not taking Fraser Forrester, uh, Ryan Mares is an excellent GPP play. Again, what I touched on with Verdi not being good and Gray not being world-class, Southampton should deal with those two quite nicely, uh, but not stop Mares. Uh, Matt Ritchie's concerning for minutes uh, right now, simply for minutes. Uh, I think he's a great cash play, but if he ends up coming off at 70 minutes, don't be surprised. And that's really not something I am looking to jump on board with uh, any week, let alone this week. Just the, the minutes discrepancy is a huge concern for me. Uh, Sigurdsson's a lock at that salary. Uh, Everton should still score three again this week. Uh, and... Uh, they don't allow a lot of crosses. So what I'm looking from Siggy is a lot of shots on net, and I think he's a lot more talented at shooting than he is crossing. So I'm looking at Siggy. But conversely, Rooney is going to be my top my top play of the slate, period. Um, he's scoring at an incredible rate. Much like Ozil, he has this incredible record on the go right now with uh, with uh, Newcastle where Rooney has scored, I think it was, 24 points in the past 22 games. Uh, that's 14 goals and a bunch of assists against Newcastle in uh, 22 straight games. So I'm looking at Rooney here to really make a splash this week from a really, really accessible salary. And his ownership's probably going to be dying down after the hat-trick blowout. And a, a lot of people will look at the, the penalty shot goal and look at it as luck. And Rooney's just a great variance play every week. Uh, so I'll be locking him as much as I can. Lanzini is worth cash consideration on West Ham. Uh, not only do I think West Ham are going to surprise a lot of people, Arsenal aren't great at, uh, they take a lot of fouls. So it uh, wouldn't surprise me if Lanzini uh, finds a, a little bit extra boost this week. Uh, Southampton, uh, Tadic and uh, Redmond both have serious minutes issues on the go. So if I'm looking to anyone, it's going to be Jordan Ward-Prowse uh, in either format. He's taken their uh, set pieces now, and he's really, really cheap, and he's a very high quality. Uh, he was the England under-21 set piece taker, too. So he's someone that you can look at uh, if you're looking to spend down a little bit this week for a little risk. Uh, Stanislas is... Uh, GPP playable this week. I would like to play him in cash, but I'm hoping his minutes start to iron out a little bit this weekend. Uh, you can use him in GPP if you want to be fancy because uh, Man United haven't been perfect, but uh, he is someone I am considering. But the last one I want to talk about here is uh, Nidley on, uh, I think it's uh, Lester, correct? He has been scoring at an incredible rate. Uh, for his price range, I bought into him low. Uh, yeah, on Leicester up against Southampton, 3.1K in DraftKings. I bought into him a couple weeks ago because his up he was uh, playing at a much better uh, rate uh, compared to his price range, and he's rattled off uh, back-to-pack assists here. Uh, I think he's really accessible uh, from his price range. Excuse me, uh, he's got two assists in his past three games. But uh, from only 3.1, he has a floor of almost uh, two times value instantly. So in cash, uh, if 
if you're really desperate for someone at uh, 3K, you can uh, roll on Wilfred Nindley from Leicester uh, as a really cheap low option this late uh, because he should still have the opportunity here to do something at Southampton, which are uh, much more cross-defensive oriented than uh, passes. So that is my midfield takes. Awesome. I'm just curious, if Kevin De Bruyne doesn't start and we get a lineup, say, with Sané, Silva, Sterling, and then either one of Aguero, Jesus, are you still, you know, as high on Man City as a whole as you would be if Kevin De Bruyne were playing? I'm not actually that high in Man City as a whole, uh, to be honest. Uh, I really like Ederson and Kyle Walker as a as a stack, and I really like De Bruyne. Outside of that, uh, like Leroy Sané and Raheem Sterling haven't seen that big of a salary adjustment. Like De Bruyne's down like six, seven hundred dollars salary here. Uh, Sané and Sterling are almost identical. I think uh, Aguero is probably going to play the full game. I'll talk about him in a bit. Uh, David Silva, if uh, so if Kevin De Bruyne doesn't start, Silva will probably be coming off for De Bruyne at some point. Uh, Gundogan may get in. Uh, so it's it's tough outside of Kevin De Bruyne. If he doesn't start, I'm probably going to just look past them other than their defenders. Um, I may take a shot in Aguero, but uh, yeah, he's really the only thing I like about Man City. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. For the most part, um I think still my primarily interest in the best team to target is Liverpool at home against West Brom, especially coming off that freaking crap loss or crap tie to Everton. Klopp was... Basically a loss, yeah. Yeah, Klopp was furious, but, you know, it's kind of a shot at him and mismanaging the game. I don't know why he tried to get cute and start, you know, didn't start the big four, started with Solanke and all that stuff, but... Calamity of mistakes by him throughout the entire game. His substitutions throughout the game were wrong. His starting lineup was wrong. Uh, the way they approached the game was just wrong. So uh, I, I agree. I like Liverpool a lot. Uh, it's just whenever they're that expensive, it's uh, it's not as lock and load when you get a Kevin De Bruyne at under 10K. Yeah, I agree for the most part. Um, you touched on Dusan Tadic. I, you know, that, that was a guy that initially caught my eye, but... I'm not, you know, I don't know what's been wrong with him this season. I feel like he's he's got too much upside and too much talent at 5,900, but if you... It's simply Southampton now. They're, they're not being mismanaged. I think that's a harsh term, but I still don't think they're being managed correctly. Uh the, we'll talk about their forwards in a bit too, but their their minutes have historically been a problem uh, where everyone's coming off for each other in really important roles. And in the past seasons, Southampton have been actually really, really successful, like kind of like a Watford or Burnley of this season. Uh, so it was kind of something you had to pay attention to where Tadic was going to be a Robbie Brady every single week. But uh, this season, they've really cooled off and uh, they aren't the same kind of DFS targets they have been in the past. Yeah, it's very evident in their game logs because, you know, Tadich was a guy, as you said, last year I used to always love to target because he was the focal point of the Southampton's offense. Anyways, let's move to forward. Uh, forward, as always, we have Harry Kane at home in a very favorable matchup against Brighton. He's coming off two goals, seven shots, three of them on net. Price is still in the Ronaldo range. He's, you know, very risky, but he's also in a great spot. And still, I mean... Tottenham scored five goals your last game. They could be in line for another explosion. Personally, 
I rather prefer to pay for Salah, Coutinho, or Aguero. But let's hear your takes, Rob. What do you think about these forwards? Yeah, Harry Kane is way too expensive. It uh, doesn't matter how you pin it up. Coutinho should absolutely smash his floor and his ceiling. Uh, that's just one guy. So uh, if you're looking to really spend up, don't make it Harry Kane this week. Brighton aren't completely incapable. Uh, they've been uh, much better away from home than they have been at home, though the record may not be evident towards that. Uh, I just don't expect Harry Kane to come out with another hat-trick this week, which is what he's going to need to do to compete against someone like Coutinho. Um, Sergio Aguero, uh, gee, I don't know how to take this because I'm so into Fabanski, but he's he's one of the few guys here in Man City that should be guaranteed 90 minutes. He didn't see the field at all against Man United, which by itself completely blew my mind. But uh, that should be even more evident that this midweek he should see a full 90 minutes uh, and uh, not come off the field. Uh, so he's someone, uh, when you can get a guaranteed 90-minute player on the best team in the league, that's really hard to turn down. So Aguero is someone I'm going to be jumping all over. Uh, Lukaku, way too cheap. Doesn't matter. He's just way too cheap. I know Man United are playing great. It doesn't matter. Lukaku is just way too cheap. It, it's absurd he's fallen down this far. I know he hasn't been playing amazingly. Man United aren't on fire. Uh, but uh, anytime you can get to, it's kind of the same issue, same issue, same deal as Kevin De Bruyne, uh, where when you can get someone of this caliber at this cheap, uh, I'm all in. And uh, I think there's a lot to be said over what happened against Man City. I'm not sure if you've heard uh, about what happened after the game but there was a brawl in the tunnel and uh, apparently Lukaku uh, knocked the crap out of Man City's uh, assistant coach uh, and busted up his face really bad so uh, I'm looking at Lukaku this week to come out flying and uh, make a major statement after an embarrassing loss to Man City last weekend uh, fade Robert Firmino. Uh, do not touch him. Anytime he's over 8K, it's a, a major red flag. He's one of those guys that plays really well when he's 7.5. You can get him at no ownership. People are going to try and pick Firmino to be pretty this week, and he's just uh, too expensive for what he offers. Uh, com conversely, Marcus Rashford is one of the best plays of the slate. Uh, again, this is tough because Man United aren't playing very well, but Marcus Rashford is averaging a goal or an assist in every game he's played so far this season. Season. Uh, that's just over like 93 minutes of play. I think it is Marcus Rashford averages either goal or an assist. Uh, so uh, that's just someone that you can really look at uh, for Man United. If you're looking to go Man United and you're not set on Lukaku, uh, Rashford's the guy you want to go with. Uh, conversely, I don't like any of the Man United midfields. So I think it's uh, just a better option just to jump right to the forward and play either Lukaku or Rashford. Arsenal will continue to be the worst targetable DFS forwards in the history of DFS. Uh, I think a lot of this has to do with uh, Wagner. Uh, he just, uh, Arsene Wagner, he just likes to take off Drew or Lacazette for each other at the 60 minutes. And this has been going on now for literally a decade. This hasn't changed. When it was Robin Van Persie and Thierry Henry, it was the same issues uh, where Arsene always just wanted to take them off. Uh, personally, I think it's a massive flaw in his coaching, and that's really what's holding Arsenal back because both Drew and Lacazette are world-class 90-minute players, and given the 90 minutes to play, I believe both of them could perform at a rate that would carry Arsenal 
Arsenal to a top three finish uh, comfortably. Uh, without that 90-minute play, I think they're going to forward, uh, going to struggle going forward, both uh, on a schedule and as an attacker team. Uh, I just don't like where Arsenal is at right now, uh, especially this week against West Ham, who should really, like I said, surprise a lot of people. Uh, I touched on it earlier, but you got to fade Jamie Vardy uh, if you're set on playing Leicester. Just play Damari Gray, but Vardy's doing absolutely nothing right now, uh, and he's a he's a huge trap because he's a massive name for a good price. So everyone will still be looking for him. Uh, just if you're going to play them, uh, play either Gray or Mares, and if you are in cash, just uh, roll with Albrighton uh, because Jamie Vardy isn't the guy anymore. It's just not on. Uh, Charlie Austin for Southampton, someone I'm taking very seriously this week. He's another guy with minutes that are really upsetting me. Southampton again, their minutes issues because they have another great forward in Gabadini, uh, Italian international that's sitting on the bench every game. So if Charlie Austin doesn't score, he's probably coming off the 85th minute or at the 65th minute. And if he does score, he's going to come off the 85th minute. So it's like, I don't know. I'd rather just take a 90 minute player despite the goal that's probably waiting there. Uh, Everton forwards are disgusting at the moment. So inconsistent. It's devastating to me. Niasi's a, a, a home player. He's not very good away. Uh, Calvert-Lewin averages like a goal every five games. So that's really not something you can consistently look to. And uh, they're just uh, they're just not uh, super favorable compared to uh, Rooney and uh, Sigurdsson, who both should be three times more reliable than both the Everton forwards combined. Uh, Sandra Ramirez and Kevin Morales haven't even made the, the bench, uh, the, the 18-man squad for like three games. So I, I just don't expect uh, a lot of shuffling up front for the Everton forwards. And that kind of makes it a little bit easier to just avoid the pair of them and stick with uh, Rooney and Sigurdsson if you're going to Everton. There's something to look at here from Bournemouth, unfortunately. Uh, even with Man United being Man United, Josh King is the only 90-minute player right now, and he's playing as an attacking midfielder. Uh, so that is the person to look at if you're really considering taking a Bournemouth player. But there's no denying Jermaine Defoe's form at the moment. Uh, he may be like 60 years old, but he's scoring like he's 20 again. So uh, it's impossible to ignore that whenever you get him at this salary range because he, he's probably the streakiest scorer in the entire league. And Man United haven't been perfect as of late especially the Paul Pogba so if you are going to uh, consider it uh, Josh King is the best play from Bournemouth but Jermaine Defoe still remains an excellent GPP play despite his lack of minutes and uh, old man status but the last I'm going to finish the podcast again uh, I finished the last week with Wilfred Boney he went out and scored and I'm going to do it again this week uh, I'm going to talk about Wilfred Boney for Swansea going up against uh, Man City so obviously I talked about how great uh, Ederson's going to be this week and how bought in I am. Uh, Wilfred Boney scoring, uh, the only person scoring for Swansea. He's the captain now. He's the lone striker playing 90 minutes. Abraham seems to have fallen off here uh, for minutes. So Boney's a really consistent player here, and he has some really serious history with Man City where he's played three different times with them over five seasons and was loaned out numerous times because obviously Man City are Man City, and they just don't have that kind of roster uh, roster, uh, depths where every single person can get the minutes they deserve. So they ended up uh, loaning Boney out to Swansea a couple of times and eventually
essentially just sold him to Swansea. So now uh, Boney is uh, going to be going back to Man City here. And that is worth talking about uh, because it, the narrative's fun, but Boney's scoring at such a rate lately that uh, the narrative just may work out anyways. And you get to look real cool how you talked about, oh, Boney was back in Man City. I told you he was going to score. He probably won't, but uh, it's just something to consider anyways. Uh, but yeah, that's my takes for the slate. Yeah, I love the Man United takes. They seem way too cheap. Bournemouth is a defense that's, you know, doesn't scare me in the least bit. They're coming off, you know, they gave up, what, a couple of really fluke goals against Man City. One was like a Silva plopping off a corner bounce where one of their guys was just happened to, you know, play on play Silva onside, and then the last, the second goal was just an absolute atrocious clearance attempt by Lukaku that hit into one of their own players and just, you know, let Otamendi basically have a point-blank shot in front of De Gea. Yeah, it's important to mo mention, too, that uh, Bournemouth are far better at home, like, to the point. They're like Huddersfield. We'll, we'll get the chance today in this small slate to play Huddersfield against Chelsea and GPP, which would be interesting. But uh, I really, really like Bournemouth at home, and I really, really like playing against them whenever they're away. So, yeah, Man United are serious targets this week. Yeah, I was going to say, um, is there any interesting takes you want to give the listeners about this, this three-game slate today? I find, you know, Watford's lineup kind of interesting and Crystal that Watford Crystal Palace game. Uh, I don't know if you saw last week, but Christian Benteke elected to take a PK and he missed it and Roy Hodgson was absolutely furious at him, which I think is gonna lead to, you know, him seeing the bench for this game and maybe the foreseeable future, which definitely yeah. He better not see the field again this season. I'll let everyone in a little bit here. Uh, I am a real-life player, too. I've played at a pretty high level, and one of the few things I was told to do in the field was to take penalty shots. And the rule is when you're the penalty shot taker, nobody else touches the ball, no matter what, no matter when. If you're the penalty shot taker, you take it. And Milovic was the penalty shot taker. There was no, de there's no debate about this. If you go look at the the uh, the sites online that tell you who takes the penalty shots for um, for Crystal Palace, Benteke was first, and he quickly fell off the list. Uh, Milovic was their penalty shot taker. So this happening as a professional is. As an amateur, it's embarrassing. As a professional, I can't even begin to describe the the, the magnitude of how bad this was. And Benteke should not see the field again this season because this isn't the first time it's happened this season. He's already taken a penalty away from someone else early in the season and missed. So I'm like, this is over. He is done. This cannot continue. Uh, he's not only that, he's missing sitters. He's missing wide open nets. Uh, he doesn't deserve to wear a Crystal Palace uniform, let alone English Premier League uniform. And this is coming from the guy who loves Christian Benteke. I love the guy as a player. I think he's amazing. He's probably a really nice dude, too, no doubt. But, like, the fact is that he, he messed up worse than an amateur player messes up. And uh, that's just unacceptable from this range. My big take is definitely going to be Huddersfield. I think uh, they're going to be massively under-owned considering their recent results. And they're far better at home than they are away. And they took down Man United at home. Like, don't look past these guys. Uh, but, yeah, my, my big stacks are going to be – I'm going to have a lot of Chris Wood. Uh, I'm going to have a lot of uh, – 
uh, Berg Goodmanson uh, from Burnley. Um, I'm going to play a lot of floor, and I'm going to play a lot of Jonas Losey. That's my plan. Yeah, those are interesting takes. Uh, something else to note is Alvaro Morado did not travel with the team, so yeah. Conte will definitely be looking to shake up his lineup, whether he starts that's, Hazard yeah, up top. That kind of touched them with the Huddersfield and Losel again. Like Chelsea aren't coming in here 100%, so I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen. But whenever you have a not entirely sure and have the most expensive salaries like Hazard, sometimes it's just safer to fade than to try and play with that. Yeah, if William makes the starting 11, I think he's a virtual lock at his current price. Mm. And it makes sense to, you know, play Losel with William if you think William's going to get a lot of attempts or whatnot. But something else. Small slates, you can do things, yeah. Exactly. And then something else to note on is Wofford. Both of their, I think Ziegler is out with a red card and yeah. Firmina is. Yeah, exactly. It should be uh, Jan, Matt, and Holobas starting. Holobas is really expensive, but he should take over a lot of the set pieces, uh, which kind of limits cleverly a little bit, which is upsetting. But I'm, I'm waiting to see the starting lineup here and I'll go from there. Yeah, definitely. Those are basically my two takes. And as crazy as it may sound, Berg Goodmanson is up to 8,100, but he seems like a virtual lock at that price. Yeah. Let's go Canadian Scott Airfield, my man. Yeah. <laughs> Don't really have too much to comment on Scott Airfield. <laughs> <laughs> you will in a month's time. <laughs> yeah. Seems pretty goal-dependent for now. But anyways, that'll about do it for today and tomorrow. And we have another interesting slate Saturday. So just keep in mind the that Man City plays Tottenham on Saturday. So don't be surprised if Pep and um, Pochettino decide to shake up their lineups a little bit tomorrow. So that'll about do it. Wraps it up for this edition of Foul Balls. And we will see you guys on Friday or Thursday. Have a good one. Thanks a lot, everyone. Bye-bye.